Hello and welcome back to season three of English Sound Building, the advanced pronunciation podcast where you do the work to build muscle, muscle memory and master new sounds. I'm Tamsin, an English teacher of well over 20 years, reminding you as always that successful communication is possible in any one of the thousands of global English accents and there is no ideal. But pronunciation helps listening as well as speaking, it's fascinating and fun and that's why we're here. If you'd find it useful to read as you listen, you can find a script for this podcast on my Patreon page. That's www.patreon.com slash English Brick by Brick. The link's in the episode notes. Everything's free on there. Just scroll down on the main page. I am a one-person team writing, recording and editing these in my free time, though. So if you like what I do and you're able to support me, please do. Thank you so much to those of you who already are. Today we're circling back to the I sound from last week, but the main focus will be on my favourite sound, which you'll know if you've listened to season one, is the schwa uh, sound. Previously, we've mainly looked at these sounds in individual words, and if you haven't listened to that schwa episode or last week's yet, I do recommend that you start there just to get comfortable with making the sounds in your mouth. Today's focus is slightly different to what we've done before. We're looking at sentence level speech and the way in which these sounds appear in the weak forms of grammar words. So as not to overload you with new information, we're going to do this by reviewing some of the rhymes and tongue twisters we've looked at so far, whether in the podcast or in the season one video bonuses or via my Instagram. If you've been practicing these and matching my pronunciation, you'll have been pronouncing these weak forms already, but perhaps it's not something you've actively focused on before. Learning to recognize the weak forms of grammar words is a feature of pronunciation, which is really important when listening. By learning to focus on the keywords and filter out the grammar words, you're more likely to grasp the main meaning of what you hear. But equally can also be a great one to work on to ensure that you yourself stress the right keywords, help your listener filter out the grammar words and therefore help them grasp the importance of what you're saying. The time spent today noticing these sounds will be an important step if you wish these weak forms to spread into your more spontaneous speech. So I've been talking about grammar words and in order to describe what these are, it's most useful to contrast them with what we call content words. These content words are the words, most often nouns, verbs, adjectives and adverbs, which carry the key meaning in a sentence. For example, in the tongue twister, a proper cup of coffee in a copper coffee pot, the content words are proper cup coffee, copper coffee and pot. In other words, the nouns and adjectives. The grammar words are the article a and the prepositions of and in. These words are necessary to hold the sentence together grammatically, but aren't as important in terms of transmitting meaning. Listen to the pronunciation of a, of and in if I read that tongue twister at a more natural pace. A proper cup of coffee in a copper coffee pot. What you should have noticed is that I stressed those words which were the content words and the other words became much less stressed. Um, they were reduced. So the a and of were both reduced to a word taking the schwa sound a becoming uh and of of. Now reducing these sounds can be really tricky if you don't have the schwa in your language 
or simply if you've learned them and been using the full form for so long that that's the one that comes naturally to you. Working on these weak forms is often one of the last pronunciation challenges my learners take on because of this. It's unlearning that strong form that you may have been using all the years you've been using English. Now the in having the short i sound doesn't tend to be reduced to schwa, although it may be for some speakers. So it isn't always considered a weak form, but that short i can get very short with some speakers almost eliding it completely. Certainly, I would say that you can think less about these i sounds, the words which already have that short i. Um, you'll notice that most of today's weak forms are ones where we change a vowel to a schwa sound. But as last week, I would encourage you to ensure that you're making that it as short as possible. So let's first try to read those weak forms independently um, in independent words, and then we'll put them together in the full tongue twister. I'll read both the strong and the weak form. Listen and repeat. A, uh, of, of. And then just both the weak forms, uh, of. And now try the full tongue twister. Listen and repeat. A proper cup of coffee in a copper coffee pot. And again, a proper cup of coffee in a copper coffee pot. Well done. You might have noticed that there were some other things going on there too. For example, the way the p from cup attaches itself to the schwa in of cup of or the n of in to the a in this is another example of catenation which we spoke about briefly last season and we'll speak about in more detail another day okay let's move on to another rhyme that we've looked at this one by carolyn wells listen and see if you can identify any weak forms a tutor who tooted the flute tried to tutor two tutors to toot said the two to the tutor is it tougher to toot or to tutor two tutors to toot Listen again. A tutor who tooted the flute tried to tutor two tutors to toot. Said the two to the tutor, is it tougher to toot or to tutor two tutors to toot? So here you should have identified a, the, and two as weak forms with schwa, and possibly is and it as weak forms with i. Don't worry if you didn't identify the, by the way. The is almost always a weak form, so much so that we think of that as being the full form, the strong form. However, when you think that sometimes we see the, you'll see the difference. So again, let's practice first just those weak forms with schwa. I'll read both the full form and the weak form in the order which they appear. Listen and repeat. A, uh. The, the. To, t. And then just the weak forms. A, uh, the. Fantastic. Now listen and repeat line by line. And again, you will hear some other features of connected speech going on here, all of which we'll speak about more in future episodes. A tutor who tutored the flute. Tried to tutor two tutors to toot. Said the two to the tutor. Is it tougher to toot? 
or to tutor to tutors to toot. And now let's try the whole thing. Listen, read with me the first time if you can, and then I'll pause for you to repeat as much as you can manage. A tutor who tooted the flute tried to tutor two tutors to toot. Said the tutor the tutor, is it tougher to toot or to tutor two tutors to toot? Well done. And I think that you really notice as we move on to longer utterances, in this case, especially the rhyme helps as well, how getting those weak forms and the contrast between the weak forms and the strong forms of the content words is really one of the most important things which gives the language its rhythm as well. So, so far, we've noted that grammar words tend to be unstressed. However, that doesn't mean that all grammar words always take their weak form. If the meaning is important in the sentence, they are stressed, just like that are I just said. Think about the difference, for example, between he can come and he can come. The next rhyme is a great example of this. Again, listen the first time just to see if you can identify the weak forms. Again, it's Carolyn Wells' poem. A canner exceedingly canny, one morning remarked to his granny. A canner can can anything that he can, but a canner can't can a can, can he? And listen again. A canner exceedingly canny, one morning remarked to his granny. A canner can can anything that he can, but a canner can't can a can, can he? So this time you should have noticed that again, a and to are reduced to schwa, as are that and but. You may also have considered he and his weak forms with i, and you may have noticed that one time when I read the his, I pronounced the h, and the other time I didn't. This is another thing which can happen here as well. Finally, you should have heard that some cans were weak and some were strong. Let's practice the weak form of those words at first um, in the order in which they appear. I'll read the strong and weak form, again, just thinking about the ones with schwa. Listen and repeat. A, a, tu, t, can, can, that, that, but, but. And this time just the weak forms. A, t, can, that, but. Fantastic. So we're going to listen and repeat line by line now. And again, you will notice that some other features of connected speech are at play here. A canner exceedingly canny. One morning remarked to his granny. A canner can can. Anything that he can. But a canner can't can a can, can he? And finally, try the full poem. Again, reading with me if you can, and then also during the pause by yourself. A canner exceedingly canny, one morning remarked to his granny. A canner can can anything that he can, but a canner can't can a can, can he?
Well done. And obviously this one is made um, in some ways more complicated and some perhaps more simple by the fact that we also have the two meanings of can in there as well. Can, where it's being used as a noun, uh, as a synonym for tin, um, is stressed um, as a noun would be stressed, as a content word would be stressed. Can, where it's being used as a modal verb, you may have noticed was sometimes stressed and sometimes not stressed, depending on whether or not its meaning was key in that particular part of the rhyme. This question of when to reduce to a weak form and when to use a strong form of words like can is one we'll come back to in a future episode on sentence stress. So don't worry if that's still a little unclear to you. Now, we've only covered a few weak forms today. If you're interested in seeing which other words are also reduced to weak forms, I've put a list of the most common ones in the script on Patreon. So head over there and take a look. And if you'd like me to come back to these in a future podcast episode, then let me know and we will do. Also, if you'd like one more rhyme to practice these weak forms, that Betty Botter rhyme, which we've looked at before, is an absolutely excellent one for these as well. Uh, we won't do it in the podcast today so that we're not here for too long, but I will tag the video bonus in my Patreon. So head over there, see the video bonus from when I first introduced that and see if you can look at that one in this new light of weak forms as well. There we go. Well done. That is the end of this week's workout. Don't forget to practice as often as possible to build muscle and muscle memory, speeding the podcast up or slowing it down as you need to. If you'd like to follow me on social media, come and find me on Instagram or Facebook at English Brick by Brick. You'll also find me on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash English Brick by Brick. And we'll be back next week with some more vowel sounds, a listener request this time, but one that I know a lot of my learners benefit from extra practice with, and that is the contrast between the short vowels o and a. Enjoy sound building, and I'll see you then.